You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. So, um, everybody, welcome to The Hero of the the Story podcast, presented by The Gospel Project, here live at For the Church um, at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes. The Midwestern. The Midwestern Baptist Baptist Theological Seminary. Seminary. Can you guys give a shout out to Midwestern? Um, Guys, thanks for being here. Uh, We are going to, we're going to start a conversation here about the importance of gospel centrality in, in the life of the church. So Brian, um, let's, uh, let's get started with this. Um, Why do we need, why is it important? Why does gospel centrality matter? Yeah, I think this is a question that is is incredibly important, and I I trust it's one that probably most of us, if not all of us in here, already have an answer to. Um, If we are in ministry, if we are a student, or whatever the case may be, this this is probably something we've rubbed shoulders with. So uh, the intention is not necessarily to give you anything new, but probably just to encourage you as a a reminder. Um, And I think it's important that that we consistently be encouraged and reminded of this, because it's so easy to stray away from from this idea that that we have got to be gospel-centered all the time in all that we do. Um, I just think we're lazy people. And, and as such, it's easy for us to let off the gas in our, our assertiveness as we are serving in churches, as we are serving in our homes, as, as parents, if you're a parent. Um, it's so easy to kind of take, all, take our foot off the gas and, and kind of coast for seasons even. Um, and, and what I'm going to share is just a reminder and an encouragement to one another, including myself, um, of this need. And I think one of the best places we can go in scripture to be reminded of this is John chapter five. Um, John five is, is just a great chapter. It opens up the first about third of the chapter or so is the account of Jesus healing the man by the pool of Bethesda. If you remember, the man was there on a, on a mat. Uh, the waters would be stirred and, and uh, he could never get up and go into the waters to be healed. And, and John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, does not explain to us what it meant, what was going on with those waters being stirred. It's kind of a, a little bit of a mystery, but it's not the point. We're not supposed to focus on the waters. We're supposed to focus on what Christ does by the pool of Bethesda. So we see that Jesus sees this man and says, hey, do you want to get well? Which is kind of an odd question. Of course he did. Um, and the man says, yeah, I do, but I, I can't get up. And, and, and everybody always beats me down there. And so Jesus then tells him to do three things. He says, well, get up, which would have been the miracle, pick up your mat and walk. And that's what happens, an amazing miracle. But we know that the Jewish leaders who were nearby really were unhappy with what happened. Uh, they, they, they didn't even pay attention to the miracle. They, they didn't even stop and think, wow, this man who we've seen here year after year, I think it was 38 years that he'd been there, um, this man has been healed. This is amazing. No, no, no. They, they stumble over the man picking up his mat because Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And, and we know that Jesus was intentional by telling them to pick up, telling him to pick up his mat because he's trying to provoke those Jewish leaders. He's, he's picking a fight, basically, with them. Absolutely. So just remember, there is a gospel-centered way to pick a fight. Yes, there's a gospel-centered way to pick a fight. So they, they say, hey, why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? And he says, well, the man who healed me told me to do it. And so they go after Jesus. And we read a little bit later that they began to persecute Jesus in large part because of this miracle. And then the bulk of chapter five after that is Jesus responding to them, interacting with them. 
And as you go through, you, you come across the two verses that I think should jump off the page and should be two verses that send a chill down our spine every single time we read them. Because Jesus says in verses 39 and 40, he says, you, he's talking to the Jewish leaders, you pour over the scriptures. You study the scriptures diligently. Pour over. That is a diligent work. That's a diligent action. You study these scriptures. You know these scriptures. You dive into them. You don't just do a cursory reading of them. You, you are students of scripture. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And yet they testify about me. Verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me, and don't miss this ending, so that you may have life. Now, when we read that, the reason I think this should send a chill down our spine is because we see here that these Jewish leaders were dead in their sin. That's why Jesus said, you don't have life because you haven't come to me. Now, these were, these were individuals who knew scripture inside and out. They probably knew scriptures better than we do. And these are people who, who really tried to live out the law. And so from an external picture, they looked very godly. From an external picture. And they could have quoted scripture to you. They would have won the Bible trivia contest easily. And yet Jesus says, all of that is for naught because you failed to understand that what you have read points to me. And it's only by me that you can have life. And the reason why this should really send a chill down our spines is because many of us have people in our churches, many of us have people in our families who may be experts in the scriptures. They may know the Bible very well, and they may, from an external appearance, be good Christians in air quotes. And yet they're dead in their sin because they've missed the key thing about scripture, it all points to Christ. This is why gospel centrality matters so much. Anytime we open up God's word, we have got to get to Christ because it's about him. That's what it means to be gospel centered. How we live has got to be gospel centered. Obedience matters, but making sure we obey for the right reasons. So this is why I would say gospel centrality matters in ministry. It matters in the home because it's the only way we can have life. Right, absolutely. And it's so easy to slip from that, isn't it? I mean, um, it's, it's one of those things that, that can actually be an unconscious slide um, because we are all bent toward legalism. We, we want to, we always want to earn what, what can only be given to, received freely as a gift. Right. So think about, let's think about that um, together because as, as we realize that how the gospel, how gospel centrality matters from a, from this abstract standpoint, well, what does it look like? Yeah. So I, th I think when you get down in, into the, uh, the, the day to day, what does it look like to be gospel centered instead of just yeah. the lofty idea? It's really the three values that the gospel project really tries to uphold. Story, culture, and mission. So it starts with story. That's what Jesus was correcting them on. He says, hey, you think you know the story, but you don't know the story. Um, you're looking through the wrong lens. You're seeing it incomplete. Uh, and so to understand the story of Scripture, one big story of Scripture, how everything points to Christ, always getting to Christ. So as we are teaching uh, in our church context, as we are discipling kids in our home context, 
We want to make sure that every single time we open up God's word, we do that again, that we point to Christ. We get to Christ. That's why my encouragement, especially the parents, you're on the drive home from church and you ask your kids, usually, well, a lot of times they'll say, did you have fun today? Um, Nothing wrong with fun, but that's not the most important question we need to ask our kids. Hey, what did you learn today? That's a good question. But notice that's going to get you to an answer that probably deals with the, the external story. It's going to get you to the, well, we learned about David killing Goliath. And that's important. It's, that's a true story that happened. Uh, but if we stop there and say, oh, so you learned about David killing Goliath. Cool. Let's go on. What do we want for lunch? Notice we're not getting them to Christ. We're not getting them to the story. So I think we need to follow up always with, well, what does that story teach us about Jesus? What does that story teach us about the gospel? How does that connect? And, and getting to those conversations where we're talking about how we can see Christ through that story, how we can learn about our need for Christ. So that's story. And then our prayer is that the gospel changes us, that when we respond to the gospel, when we trust in Christ, that that starts an internal change, that immediately God changes our heart. He gives us that, 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 that soft heart. He takes the, the heart of stone out, gives us the soft heart. And we're able to understand the things of God for the first time and, and grow in our love and gratitude for what he has done. So that's kind of what we think about when we think of cultures changing who we are, changing what we value as, as individuals and as communities. And that drives somewhere, though. That drives toward mission. That when we understand this, we understand, man, God has been so kind to provide Christ for me. He, I, I did not deserve this, and yet he freely gave to me his grace he sent his son to die for me. This just amazes me. And it fills us up with inside with that burning heart, like we read about the two disciples in the road to Emmaus, yeah. that we realize it's not to be contained for us. That, that this is why we're left here. The, the reason why Christ does not call you home to be with him the moment you trust Christ, which would be very loving of him. I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of struggling, wanting to do what's right, but always doing what's wrong because of my sinful fallen condition I still wrestle with, man, I can't wait to when Christ calls me home and that sin is gone for good and I can grow in my relationship. I can love him more fully than I, can, I ever have been able to on earth. That's gonna be a great gift for me. So why doesn't Christ do that for me the moment I've trusted in him? It's because it's not just about me. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to share this story with others and carry this gospel message around the world. So that's mission. So I think as churches and as families, that's what we're going to be camping out. What are we learning? Are we learning scripture the correct way through the story of Christ? Are we seeking change and transformation in that which drives our behavior? And then are we understanding that God has called us to be a missionary in our context? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, that, that second value that you talked about, um, you talked about, you talked about story, culture and mission, when you think about culture, um, that, is, that in itself is a tricky concept because um, culture can mean a lot of different things. I mean, I mean, if you just think about it simply as your way of life as a community. So every church has a culture, every, every, every small group within a church has a culture as well, and every family um, within the church has its own culture too. So, how, so our goal is, our desire is as gospel-believing, gospel-saturated, gospel-centered people is to see that culture uh, saturated with the gospel itself. 
And that, that in itself can look pretty, pretty strange because it means, it means doing things like having hard conversations that um, aren't just... Um, have you all been in, in an accountability group where someone's like, oh, you know, I, I really messed that up. Uh, you know, I blew it. You know, whether it's a, something as simple as, you know, oh, I, I just haven't been reading my Bible. Gosh, I haven't been doing it. Or it's something more serious. And then there's someone else who's like, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Let's do it better next week. That's not how, that's, that's not really gospel-centered accountability. How it, how it is, the question that we need to ask is, why? Why do we, why have we not been reading, reading the scriptures? Is it because we feel too busy? Is it, um, and if so, then that means that we have a prior, that we, that our priorities are out of whack, which means that what, um, our desires are, are confused. Um, or if it's just, I just don't want to. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's an issue where we can bring the gospel in and, 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 remind people of what Christ has done for them together. And it can lead to very strange conversations, very awkward conversations at time, but also very life-giving conversations. On the flip side, it also means that we are going to, we're going to do things like, um, like as Romans 13 says, seek to outdo one another in showing honor, which means that in a gospel culture, we're going to be doing things like um, learning how to accept compliments that sounds funny, but it's one of the hardest things that we, that we can do. Like just to say thank you when someone says something kind about you that's true. Um, how, many, how many of you guys, when, when someone says, something, says something, so, something that's kind but true, that they notice something, how many of you, like that it, it, you, can be, you can be honest, we're in a safe space. Um, you, want, you want to deflect. You want to say, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's nothing, you know, or, you know, you do it. Awesome. We are together in this. That is good. Thank you, guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my small group, what we do every single week is we end with something that we call honor time. And, and it is specifically someone chooses to honor someone else in the group. And it's a, something that's very specific. And, um, you know, and we are not. All, we're not to, we, we don't need to do anything other than just say thank you because it's people seeing the evidence of God's grace in your life. Um, and we should respond in gratitude for that. Um, but real quick, because we're getting close to time okay. already. Um, Brian, the, I've been talking about this just really from an adult standpoint. This is something that, that, that isn't just limited to adults though, is it? No, not at all. And I think... Again, this is why it's so important that we understand that John 5, what we talked about a minute ago, that, man, this, this, this is critical. Um, I'm a father of three. I, I don't want my kids learning the Bible and missing Jesus. Because that means they'll be dead in their sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a father, then I have a choice. When do I start this? Do, do, do I just talk about moralism? Do I just talk about the Bible and generalities and, and just try to, well, learn some good things? And then when you come old enough, then I'll start talking to you about the gospel. That would be foolish. Right. That would be absolutely foolish on my part if I did that. So no, my job as a dad is to teach my kids from the beginning 
the truth, the beauty of the gospel in age-appropriate ways. And so I think, you know, we carry that over to the church as well, that we have to understand that God is giving us this great gift in children, and we are called to steward them well. And those of us who are in leadership in churches, we, we will have to answer for how we stewarded this gift. And, and so while, Aaron, you said a minute ago that, man, when, when you're gospel-centered, it means you're going to talk about some more difficult things. Yeah, we're going to talk about sin more. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to talk about death. Wait, you mean kids sin? Kids, kids sin, and they know what? it. Yes, my kids are experts at it. Really? They really mm. are. Especially my 13-year-old. He's, he's learning. He's growing into it more and more, mm. it seems. Um, but no, we, we, we've got to put these things before them out of love and trusting that they are not the fragile, delicate flowers that we tend to think they are, that they can handle this. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, as we know, um, the, the call primarily is to parents, but we as the church can learn a lot from it as well. God says, hey, look, teach Teach scripture, teach the law to these kids. And you think about what they had available to them. They didn't have the, the nice, touchy-feely, good Jesus stories, the safe stories. I mean, they're doing, they're doing the flood. God said, teach your kids about the flood. God flooded the world, except for one family in the ark, the animals on the ark. Everybody else drowned a terrible death. That's what parents are supposed to teach their kids. And I don't think we have the, the recourse to tell God, well, but our kids are more fragile than the kids back when you gave Deuteronomy 6. How do you know it wasn't in, fl- how do you know they weren't flannel graph animals? <laughs> yeah. They could um, be. So I, I just think we, we have got to, out of love and, and proactively being ahead of this, I, I want my kids to grow into the gospel. I don't want me to be chasing after them behind. Um, and so in the church, it's the same thing. In age-appropriate ways, from the very beginning, we want to be proclaiming the beauty of the gospel. We want to be proclaiming uh, that God has an answer for sin. He has an answer for death. It's found in Christ Jesus. So the first time that four-year-old experiences a grandparent dying, he or she does not have to worry, "Uh uh-oh, what happened to grandma, grandpa, whatever the case may be. He or she has an answer. Christ has come to bring victory over death. We need not fear death. We need not fear evil because of the gospel, not because of touchy-feely moralistic Bible stories that we've told them up to that point. Mm, that's good stuff there, Brian. Thank you. All right, guys. Um, so we've got a couple minutes left. Um, so we would love to hear from hear, hear from you guys because this isn't just about us yammering at you. Um, well, it has been to this point. I mean, it has been to this point. Um, but... Um, uh, would you? Would any of you like to ask a question? Just put up your hand, and I'll come to you with the mic. All right, see your finger over right here in the where, front. Where, oh, there we go. All right. Uh, my name is Michael Leeds. I'm uh, Sycamore Hills Baptist Church, and we're part of the children's program there, and uh, or I'm part of the children's program there. Uh, and um, uh, I just wanted to say thank you because we've been using the Gospel Project uh, with our children, and I'm blown away at how wonderful the material is, how age appropriate it is, how serious it is in an age-appropriate way, so much better than so many things over the years that we've done that are um, fairy taleish, uh, almost like a, a story. This isn't a story being told there. This, this, is a, this is a historical account that is being presented to our children uh, so that they can understand it uh, from a gospel-centered way. And, and I love that after every lesson, there is a uh, Christ is always tied into it, always tied into it. And it's beautiful, and I think you guys appreciate it.
He just earned some ice cream. Absolutely. You know, Michael, thank you. Michael just just gave us an example of honor time. Uh, we got a hand. Oh, where do we go? Okay, we got over here. Brian, say some words while I'm moving. I want ice cream. Why do you want ice cream? Because I always want ice cream. Okay. All right. Can you tell us your name? Yeah, I'm Phil Auksher with Cressy Bible Church. We, um, we've used the Gospel Project as well. Um, this is, is this the second or third, third cycle? Okay, so, I mean, what's exciting about the current cycle? What modifications have you made over the years? I mean, yeah. uh, just something along those lines to help us know what, what is new and happening with Gospel Project? Good question, great question. Yeah, this is our third cycle, our third three-year cycle that we just began. Begun. Um, and one of the things I'm most excited about in the student and adult spaces is the new daily discipleship guide where we have included five days of, of Bible reading that supplement and complement the session of that, that week. Um, our heart in doing that was we, we just know that studying scripture is the number one indicator for spiritual vitality and health. And again, the caveat, studying it the right way as we talked about. But so we just want to do everything we could to get in your people's hands another way to encourage them to be serious about spending time in God's word throughout the week and not just counting on when they show up on Sunday. So those daily discipleship guides, I'm just really excited about those in those spaces. In the kids space, the thing I'm most excited about is we move the missions content from the worship hour add-on, which is a second a supplemental purchase, to the primary Bible study content. It's just truer to our mission uh, pardon that pun, um, that we wanted to have missions elevated. So I'm grateful that that's baked in now to, to the session. So there's just a couple of quick, off the top of my head, updates and improvements. Also a couple of the stories, like we're doing um, David and, and uh, Mephibosheth, which I think is one of the best passages to look at to show how we can teach and preach scripture incorrectly. Because you can teach that without, without ever mentioning Jesus. You can go on kindness from this story we see about being kind, and we could take that same sermon or Bible study to a, a secular public school and do that, give that as a talk, and we'd be applauded, and that tells us that we've missed the gospel. Um, we can do that story without Jesus, or you can do it with Jesus, and it's much more beautiful. So you're going to see that coming down the pike. All right, we've got another question over here. Um, David Van Beber, First Baptist Church of Buffalo. I have a question a little bit, if you don't mind telling us about the apps and how those are helpful for the whole family and how they're accessible to both the young and old. There's a lot of people in my church of varying ages who have smartphones, and I'd like yeah. for them to be able to take advantage of the great apps that you all have. So if you could share with us a little sure. bit of how we could learn those, that would be really helpful. So the apps, we have the Gospel Project app itself. If you go to uh, Google Play or iOS or Apple Store, or iTunes Store, whatever it's called, um, you, you can do, if you search Gospel Project, there, that's an app for adults and students, and it's basically just another way to get your daily discipleship guide, um, just a digital version of it. Um, and so there's, there's not really, there's some other content in there that you can access that kind of goes along with it, but nothing baked in for the session content itself. The kids version, you would have to search the Lifeway Kids app. And the Gospel Project material is part of that. The Lifeway Kids is the reader, and then you can purchase or get additional content just for the Gospel Project. This is where it really starts to become exciting for families because there are two versions. One's called the Light app, which is free. Gives families a little bit of an opportunity to help their kids learn the memory verses of the unit, the, the key passage is called. The family version, though, which is 99 cents a quarter, unless you have an iPad, we charge $2.99 for that. Um, so that's a quarter. That gives you um, family content for discipleship in the home, including the Bible story videos you can watch, the same ones the kids watch in, in church the music you can hear, activities, and so forth. And so it's a great, 
easy, accessible discipleship tool for parents. Let's be honest. Most of our parents know they should be disciplers of their kids. They even want to do it, but they feel powerless to do it. They don't know where to start. They say, I've never been to seminary. I don't know these things. If we can just say, hey, here's the bar. Just get the app, spend 10 minutes Thursday nights after dinner, and just play with this app together and talk a little bit about it. Ask those two questions. What did you learn about? What does that teach about Jesus? Call that a good family discipleship. As a starting point, read a little bit of the Bible, pray. Man, it's beautiful. That's what God's after. So we hope that those uh, resources really help families especially. So if, if you're looking for students or adults, just search Gospel Project, and you should be able to see that come up. Um, if you're looking for the kids one, the family one, it's Lifeway Kids. Guys, we are going to call it. Uh, we're going to call it a night. Um, so thank you for joining us um, tonight for dinner. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, you probably almost certainly noticed a gigantic box in front of your <laughs> chair. Um, so I those filled are- mine with barbecue. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um- <laughs> That didn't, that, no. Yeah, just keep going. Nope, just just nope, let it, just, just let it sit there and just keep there going. There we go. It's only awkward if we let it be, and we're letting it be really awkward. Um, but at, uh, at your tables, there are these, uh, these boxes. These are our gift to you inside. You'll find, um, you'll find books, uh, samples of the Gospel Project material itself. Um, so you can check out how we are telling the gospel story across all ages um, in the curriculum. And e- there's even a little bit of coffee. Yeah. All right. And uh, so, yeah, so we're going to close off with some prayer and then we're going to head out. So thanks for listening to the hero of the story presented by the Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.